0: Let's take our Bibles tonight, please, and turn to Psalm 14, Psalm 14 tonight. Uh, Here we have another one of these uh, very short, concise, and yet very powerful Psalms, and uh, tonight we'll see uh, great, (laughs) important truths. Uh, Recall, please, uh, last week, uh, last Sunday night, in Psalm 13, uh, we saw David's despair, And by the end of that very short psalm, we saw his despair turned to delight. You remember that. And what was the thing that we saw in the middle? A prayerful devotion uh, to the Lord, a crying out to God for the things that he needed, a placing of his faith uh, and trust in the Lord whom he needed. Uh, Listen, that turns despair to delight. And so I would remind us tonight, if you are despairing, Uh, please just cry out to the Lord. Uh, Do that Philippians 4, 6, 7, 8, 9 thing where you make your requests known to God with thanksgiving. Lord, here's my need, here's my worry, here's my fear, and thank him that you can and trust him for the peace that he promises, a peace that uh, keeps our hearts and minds as only Christ can. Of course, we we live in a world today that is filled with anxiety provoking uh, situations and yet the Lord is still able to bless his people with peace uh, in the face of great fear and things that might otherwise be uh, anxiety provoking. Praise God for that. Uh, Take a moment and thank him and praise him for that tonight. Well, uh, tonight we see uh, some parallels. Uh, to the last Psalm. This also tonight is a a Psalm of David. Here in the Psalm title, we see it's titled or addressed, I should say, to the chief musician. Uh, And so again, we're reminded this is a Psalm or song uh, that was intended initially for worship. And then it's a Psalm of David, uh, David being the human penman used by God once again. Now, uh, tonight we'll see here David uh, lamenting uh, there's a great lament here regarding the foolish of the world, uh, lamenting their foolishness, and how the foolishness of the lost uh, is expressed toward God's people, uh, toward the righteous, uh, toward the saved, and uh, we'll we'll see here David lamenting this initially, uh, and we'll see here um, in the end, uh, in the end this this lament. Uh, and David's reliance upon the Lord causes him to long for uh, the Lord to come. David understands, of course, that uh, Brother Ray, the, when the Lord first came upon the scene, he died upon the cross, making a way of salvation uh, spiritually. We understand, and, and David understood, looking ahead to the, uh, the second coming of Christ and the millennium that would follow, David understands that when the Lord comes again, when he returns, uh, he will set all things right. Uh, and so David's lament is turned to a, a wonderful longing for the Lord and for his return, uh, especially his, his second coming uh, in the millennial reign of Christ to follow. What we see here in the midst of these two kind of polar ideas tonight is uh, the Lord looking for, uh, the Lord examining uh, men, and reporting, if you will, his findings through David, his penman, And in this very short psalm tonight, we see uh, the Lord's report, which um, really is a, um, I'll, I'll use the, the phrase wonderful, although in, in context here, you, you, you question that if you like. It's a wonderfully concise report of the hearts of men, uh, of all men. That is a, uh, a concise summary of what is often called the doctrine of the universal depravity of men. Uh, Brother Ray, we understand that we're all sinners, right? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the doctrine of the universal depravity of men. The idea that everyone uh, who has come into this world is born with a sin nature that leads them into sin. This is a universal condition of all men everywhere, all people throughout all of time in all places have come into the world, been born in the world with a sin nature, which leads them into sin. That's not an excuse, it's an explanation, um, and this is, this is common, this is true of all people. Now, um, that's, that's the bad news. Uh, the good news is that Christ came for all people, amen? He died upon the cross Uh, for all people. And I'm I'm thankful tonight that this so-called doctrine of the universal depravity of man points directly uh, to man's universal need for Christ uh, and the truth that Christ came for everyone, (laughs) paying the price for uh, all people of all time in all places, uh, shedding his blood to cover all sin. And so we understand that believers... Um, we have a great hope at the return of Christ, because of Christ, and despite our sin, we have a great hope about the return of Christ and uh, the things that will follow uh, his return. Uh, between here and there, we may suffer the consequences of the reality, the truth. There's a lot of people in the world who aren't saved, uh, foolishly. Who, people who foolishly reject the gospel, uh, they reject Christ and uh, who foolishly try to solve their own consciences uh, by treating God's people badly uh, and by rejecting even the idea that there is a God. Uh, that's, that's our reality today. We, uh, we deal with, uh, we live in a world that is filled with uh, foolish people who reject the Lord uh, and who will at times attack us. Uh, as a way to solve their own conscience. It's a foolish, vain uh, strategy, of course. Um, and David understands that this will continue, of course, until the Lord's return. By the way, despite the, our present reality, we can have joy. We can be blessed of God. We can serve Him. We can, uh, we can live wonderfully fulfilling lives in Christ. Uh, despite all of the trials that we know in the world today. But it's, it's good uh, to understand our reality and the cause of that reality. Uh, and it's good, perhaps even better, to understand, to be reminded of uh, the hope that we are indeed just passing through this world and all of its difficulties uh, en route to a far better eternity. Brother Ray, an eternity that is far better than our current reality. Uh, and so we praise God for that hope that we know tonight. So we'll see David lamenting. We'll see the Lord looking down and uh, making some observations about the universal depravity of man. Uh, and then David's understanding that the ultimate answer to that is the return of Christ. He came first for the uh, the sin, uh, the sin of all men and, and, the, and those who would come to Christ. And uh, he'll come again. Uh, he'll come again. Uh, putting an end to the foolish wickedness of those who unwisely reject Christ. I'm going to go ahead and read these just seven verses tonight, and I'll pray, and we'll jump in and make some observations here. So uh, Psalm 14, that's where we are. Psalm 14 uh, tonight, it's titled To the Chief Musician, a Psalm of David. Remember, please, this is uh, part of the inspired text, part of the Hebrew. Uh, David says this, writing under inspiration, God's words given to David supernaturally by the Spirit of God. The Bible says here, "The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God." The fool has said that. Uh, They, the foolish, are corrupt; they have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down. Here's the Lord looking now, looking down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Here's the conclusion, they are all, verse three, they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Verse four, he continues, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. There were, David says in verse five, there were they in great fear. There were they in great fear for God is in the generation of the righteous. We'll, we'll deal with that verse a bit. Verse six, Ye have shamed the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. Praise God. He is our refuge, our safe place. Uh, and, and here in verse seven is that longing of David. Oh, that salvation, oh, that the salvation or savior of Israel were come out of Zion, that's Jerusalem, uh, when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob uh, shall rejoice and Israel shall be what glad. Uh, and there will be a great rejoicing. You know, um, at the end of the tribulation period, the world will be arrayed against Israel uh, and God's people, and Christ will return with us those of us who will go with the Lord at the rapture, save people living at that time. Uh, others will be caught up as well, of course, the, the, those that their bodies will be resurrected. You understand that? Uh, we know these things. We'll come back with the Lord at at the end of the tribulation, at the battle of Armageddon. God will put down once and for all the enemies of his people. There'll be a national salvation of Israel in a sense, uh, and they'll be rejoicing and gladness and you know, that's primarily the, the people of Israel there, the nation of Israel, uh, the Jewish people that are rejoicing and, and glad that are pictured there. But don't you think that uh, we'll rejoice uh, and be glad with them? Don't, don't you think? Of course we will. Uh, we will rejoice and be glad uh, with the nation of Israel, with the Jewish people. Uh, we'll have much to rejoice and be glad in and much to celebrate at that time. Let's pray. And then we'll jump in and, and make some observations here tonight. Let's pray, Father. Thank you, Lord, tonight again for this uh, short psalm. Lord, once again tonight, we're reminded uh, how concentrated Your words are. How much truth uh, can be revealed in so few words. And Lord, I understand tonight that's because these are Your words. I understand tonight they're they're alive. They're powerful. They're they're Your words. And um it's, it's just an extraordinary thing, Father, to have your words. And so we thank you again tonight. Uh, Lord, I thank you tonight for the privilege to study this psalm and to see uh, here tonight truth revealed that is uh, so very relevant to us today and such a great help uh, to us today. Lord, we understand tonight that uh, those uh, wicked, foolish, lost people who um, harassed and, and Um, made great difficulty for uh, your people in David's day. Nothing has changed. The world is is still filled with foolish people who act that way. And, uh, Lord, we we understand that. We should expect that, uh, people being uh, what they are apart from Christ. Lord, I thank you tonight. This psalm shows us that you understand the difficulty that we face. And you love us enough and care enough to uh, show us why this is, uh, and also, Lord, to remind us that this will not always be the case. Uh, we we look ahead to uh, a wonderful uh, time uh, at our Lord's return and us with him. And, Father, I thank you tonight for that hope. Lord, help me now. I certainly, certainly need your help, truly. And I ask you for it, and I pray as well for each one who's listening uh, to this message, and, and most, most importantly, Lord, to you and your words. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's jump in here, Brother Ray. We'll see some truths here tonight. Uh, number one, I want you to see this. As I've said, the psalmist David, uh, he laments the foolish. Uh, he laments the foolish. I give. It's three L's as, as you've... Uh, Wisely perceived already, I'm sure. Uh, the first L tonight, uh, David the psalmist, he laments the foolish, uh, the traits of the foolish. Look, look again at uh, verse 1. He says, The fool hath said in his heart, What? There is no God. Uh, only a fool would say that there is uh, no God. Uh, you can look out the window. Well, it's dark outside, but look up in the sky. Uh, look at the moon, look at the stars. You know there's a God. Creation uh, absolutely demands that there is a God. Uh, there absolutely must be uh, an intelligent designer of all things and and, and not just a, a, an intelligent designer, but one who is, uh, God, one who is the Lord, one who exists because he exists, not uh, not created by anyone else, but who is a supernatural, holy, powerful uh, creator of all things. I look at my hand, as I've said so many times over the years, at the design of my hand, at the intricacy of the design, and uh, how wonderful it is, and uh, that, and, and no, there's a God, and that's without even beginning to consider uh, all that has to work in concert at sort of an anatomical level and a biochemical level, uh, all the way down to the genes that make up the things that make this uh, action or this motion possible. There absolutely must be a God. You understand tonight that if the earth was not uh, a certain distance from the sun, we would burn up. Uh, if it was too close, we'd burn up. If it was too far, we would freeze. Uh, Brother Ray, it feels like that tonight, doesn't it? <laughs> if, it you know, if we were just a, a bit uh, further, it, we would freeze. If the uh, axis, if, if the, the earth was not uh, tilted a certain number of degrees on its axis, not, nothing would work. If gravity uh, was just changed slightly to be slightly more or slightly less... Uh, we could not exist. All of creation has been fine-tuned by the Lord Jesus Christ, a co-creator with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, uh, to make uh, all that is, is, uh, and to make it perfect, just exactly perfect. I understand the world today reflects the the curse of sin uh, that God proclaimed as the result of the first sin, but It would be truly foolish tonight to say there is no God. I believe that everyone knows that there is a God. Uh, We've we've asked many people uh, often what they feel about God, going door to door on the street. Uh, do, do you believe there's a God? Well, well, no, I don't. And you, you ask them again. Well, are you are you quite sure there's no God, or or are you actually not sure? And most people will confess they're they're thinking their heart is more well. I'm not really sure. I believe their real heart, if they were absolutely honest, is they would say something more like, you know what? I'm convicted that there must be a God. But I'm convicted by that God. Uh, and so I, I, I really want to deny the existence of that God. If, and, and listen, if there's no God uh, who requires uh, um, uh, holiness uh, imparted to us, uh, if there's no God, and uh, the, the Bible is not the Word of God, uh, you, you, you could just live any way you wanted to. But of course, there is a God, and people know that. Uh, And people know the conviction of God in their conscience. Uh, And so those who uh, reject the idea, those who say there is no God in their hearts, they're lying to themselves uh, typically for the purpose of trying to assuage their guilty consciences. And uh, listen, we'll, we'll see before we're done here that uh, that's, that's not effective. That's, that's not an effective strategy. Uh, it never has been, never will be. Uh, God is, and therefore it is foolish to deny that there is a God. Uh, the psalmist laments this. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He goes on and he says, uh, the foolish, they are corrupt. Uh, they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. Uh, wicked things that are uh, profoundly evil in the eyes of God. Uh, and then he goes on and he, and he begins to introduce this idea that, you know what, all men have done that. <laughs> all, all, all men have sinned. He says, there is none that doeth good. Uh, there is none uh, that doeth good. Uh, and so uh, David here laments, uh, he, he laments this idea. Uh, by the way, this idea uh, that all have sinned. Uh, that everyone needs a savior. It's, it shows up over and over again in the Bible. Uh, we, see, we see this idea here. Uh, we see it, of course, in Galatians 3 and verse 22, the scripture has concluded, all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. All uh, are under sin. We're, we're all convicted and guilty, guilty and convicted. First uh, John 1.8 says, if we say that we have no sin, uh, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It'd be foolish, profoundly foolish, to deny that there's a God uh, and to deny that we are sinners. Everyone knows that they've done wrong. Everyone's conscience uh, tells us that. Of course, that's the that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. To deny these truths that God has revealed to us is profoundly foolish. Uh, it, it is profoundly unwise. Uh, unwise. And so, uh, it is a foolish man who says there is no God. God, very obviously, most obviously, does exist. Uh, a- anyone, anyone who's honest, uh, will admit that. Um, and you look look now in verse two. We see that uh, not only is there a God, but but He's a God who is active in His creation. Uh, he, he's actively involved uh, in his creation and, and with those people whom he has uh, created. I understand tonight we, we don't worship uh, a God uh, who just wound up creation and then kind of went off on the side uh, and largely forgot about it, having no involvement in it. Uh, That's one of the errors of deism. Uh, Deism says, yes, there's a God. Uh, Yes, he's creator. Uh, He at least set up evolutionary process that uh, ended in us, and and God is off on the side, maybe watching, but, but not involved. Well, that's not the God, Brother Ray, who the Bible reveals. Number one, uh, God, God does not uh, allow for the possibility of evolution. God created all things according to his word uh, in six literal 24-hour periods, and, and then he rested. Read Genesis 1 and tell me that's not the case. Read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. and tell, you, you, you read it with an open heart. Tell me that the Holy Spirit is not convicting you that those are six literal days. No, God is a God who's a mighty God, who is real, and who really is uh, actively involved in his creation. Uh, Here in verse 2 and following, so David lamented a foolishness of lost men. Uh, Now in verse 2 here, we see the Lord looking. Uh, The Lord is looking down for men of understanding. He's looking for uh, people who are naturally wise, uh, naturally oriented to spiritual uh, things, uh, Brother Ray, that's not who we are. We, we weren't born with uh, God's wisdom. We weren't born naturally inclined to God uh, and the things of God. We had to hear the gospel, uh, be convicted by the Spirit of God that it was true, uh, place, our, place faith that God gave us on Christ, and then experience uh, a change of heart, a change of mind uh, that Lord produces in us. Uh, and so we see here in, in verse two, the Bible says this, "'Lord, look down from heaven upon the children of men "'to see if there were any that did understand and seek God.'" So uh, picture God, if you will, He's, uh, he's looking out across creation, Uh, I understand he's focused on on the earth, the center point of his creation, uh, the masterpiece of his creation, if you will. Certainly the focal point of his creation, and and God is searching, and uh, he's had David to record this. Uh, not because god didn 't know what he would find, but uh, he wants David to understand what he saw uh, as he as he examined his creation as under a microscope, looking to see if he could find any that were naturally inclined to him, looking to search, searching to see if he could find any man uh, who had not naturally turned from God, uh, not needing salvation and uh, of course, you know, you know what God finds and uh, in what he records. Now, um, I, want you to, I want you to go back and, and just see verse 2 again before we go on. He says, David writes, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand uh, and seek God. So, verse 1 is foolish men. Uh, the Lord is looking for some who are wise, right? There's clearly a contrast uh, being drawn here. So, uh, it, we, we could conclude from the context and the contrast that um, wisdom involves understanding from God uh, and uh, seeking God, not not foolishly rejecting the notion that God exists, but wisely seeking God uh, and wisdom from Him. I understand that uh, wise men still seek Christ. We see that um, at Christmas time, right? Uh, We understand that um, uh, wise men, uh, men of God today, still seek wisdom from the Lord, lest we be uh, caught up in our natural foolishness. You understand, as we said this morning, we we have wicked hearts, and they are naturally foolish, Uh, and so our, our job is to yield ourselves to the Lord, to seek Him, to seek His wisdom in and through His words. Uh, that's that's wisdom from uh, the Lord. So God is God is looking across creation here in verse two, and, and looking for those who uh, naturally seek Him, uh, naturally have understanding, uh, as if as if from birth and we'll see here he doesn't, he doesn't find that. Again, it's not that he doesn't know, he's omniscient, but he's revealing to us that as he searches across creation and even perhaps across time, you know what, there, there, there's none who naturally seek him. There's none who are naturally wise regarding spiritual things. You need the Lord uh, to change your heart, uh, to, to provide his wisdom, to crowd out, to replace, to swap our natural foolishness uh, with godly wisdom. And of course, again, this is all pointing to this idea, this doctrine of the universal depravity of men. None of us are born uh, uh, with, with this natural inclination. This, this can only come from Christ. Uh, as, as we turn to him. Well, see, see God's report here. Uh, this is his report. This is uh, his description that, that really is the basis for this doctrine of the universal depravity of man, the sinfulness uh, of all men, uh, of all men. Look here in, in verse 3. The Lord reports, David records God's report. Uh, first thing we see here in verse 3, all men gone aside. God says, you know, I've looked And what do I see? I see all men have gone aside. Verse 3 says this, they are all gone aside. That's what he says. What does that mean? Well, I think you understand. I don't know if it needs a lot of explanation or definition, uh, but to go aside literally means to go off, to turn aside or to turn away uh, or depart. Uh, That's that's our natural inclination, not to seek God, but to turn from him. Uh, You see multiple examples of that expressed sort of apostasy, people who knew the Lord and knew truth and uh, and yet who, who turned aside, who, who had gone aside. Uh, think, for example, in uh, Exodus, uh, in the account of, of the molten calf. The Bible says, uh, there they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. This is God to Moses. They have made them a molten calf and have worshiped it, an idol, God's people made an idol and worshipped it. Most, the moment their spiritual leader was off the scene, people turned aside from him and from God and made an idol and worshipped it, sacrificed, and said, these be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. That, of course, is, is a great untruth. It's a profound lie. Uh, it's great wickedness and expresses this natural inclination of man to turn aside from God. Uh, we, <laughs> the Universal depravity of man, that's our natural. Inclination. Uh, recently, uh, not this past Sunday, I don't think, but uh, Wednesday, but the week before, uh, we saw Samuel preach to the people uh, in his day. What? Turn not. First Samuel 12 and verse 20. Samuel said unto the people, "Fear not, uh, fear not. Ye have ye have done uh, all this wickedness. Yet turn not aside." Uh, from following the Lord, but serve the Lord uh, with all your heart. So Samuel preached, turn not. Uh, the prophets uh, the prophets uh, throughout the Old Testament, uh, what did they preach? Turn back. Turn back. Lord knew that they would turn from him. Uh, Israel was constantly turning from the Lord, and prophets were constantly at God's direction, at God's urging, at the leading of the Holy Spirit preaching, turn back, uh, turn back, turn back. Uh, God understands that all men, uh, our natural inclination is not to turn to God, but uh, to turn away from him, to reject him uh, and to turn away from him. It doesn't make any sense. It's absolute foolishness. Uh, And yet this is our natural inclination. You see, secondly here, uh, God's report recorded by um, uh, David, uh, that all men are filthy, morally corrupt. Uh, in the next part of verse 3, they are all together become what? Filthy. Uh, <laughs> without Christ, we're all together filthy, corrupted in every way. Uh, not not the, the perfect man or woman that God created back in the garden, uh, but people who reflect uh, the fact that there is a curse upon creation, uh, people who uh, choose according to our own desires uh, to turn from the Lord and to uh, corrupt ourselves with sin uh, to be altogether filthy morally corrupt uh, look at the next part of verse three we see the third thing here uh, the Lord reports and David records under inspiration that uh, there, there's no man that doeth good uh, next part of verse three there is none that that doeth good, no, not one. Now, that sounds familiar, doesn't it, Brother Ray? That part of that verse sounds familiar to us. And uh, I think you already understand that it's this passage that Paul uh, quoted from in his letter to the Romans. Uh, the Holy Spirit had Paul to quote from that letter uh, as he wrote Uh, to the Romans, and I'll I'll read it, but make a note, please. It's uh, Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. Uh, Paul, writing under inspiration there, says, "'As it is written.'" Remember that that phrase, the underlying uh, word and the the grammar, the tense of that uh, underlying uh, verb, grugapte, has the idea something that was written, remains written, and always will be written. So the Old Testament was available to Paul in his day because God had supernaturally preserved it; He had protected it from corruption. So it was available to Paul uh, in his day, and, and, and that was according to God's promise of Revelation 12. I'm sorry, Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7, and other places. And God's still doing that. He's supernaturally protecting his words so that we can live according to them uh, with, his, with God's help, of course. Anyway, uh, Romans 3 and verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Pastor, we're born spiritually alive. We only suffer spiritual death when we sin that's true but our sin nature leads all of us to sin and we experience a spiritual death and then we need to be reborn we need to be born again spiritually that can only happen uh, through repentance and, and faith in christ there's none righteous no not one paul continues there in romans three eleven. there is none that understandeth there is none that seeketh after god does that language sound familiar Uh, Those are those foolish that lack understanding and and who reject God and do not seek after him. Verse 12 uh, in Romans 3 says this, they are all gone out of the way. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. This is repeated. Uh, There's there's none of us that uh, have an inherent natural goodness apart from Christ. You understand that we are universally corrupt. <laughs> we are universally depraved. Uh, we abs- and I understand. I don't want that language to sound Calvinistic tonight, because I mean it's, we're not Calvinists, not by a long shot. Uh, but we understand uh, that that man is universally corrupt. The universal depravity of man uh, is is a clear teaching of Scripture, uh, and you know you could get. Uh, very depressed about that. You can say, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. By the way, the world teaches just the ap- absolute opposite of that, right? The world teaches that, that men are inherently good and, and we're getting better. Uh, and so if men will just follow their hearts, we'll be fine. Bible teaches the exact opposite. We saw that this morning. Bible teaches that our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know it? Uh, the Bible teaches that man uh, is corrupt and wicked and, and that he will become more corrupt and more wicked uh, until the return of Christ. And isn't that exactly what we see in the world today? We're not good and getting better, we're bad and getting worse, that's, that's the reality. And you could, you could get very sad and down and depressed about that, or you could say, well, that's the way it is, but thankfully, thankfully, God the Father sent his only begotten Son uh, to cover our sins. All of us, all of our sins, just as the universal depravity of man is a Bible truth, uh, the fact that Christ came for all men of all time to cover all of our sins is universally true uh, as well. And so today, despite the universal depravity, the universal sinfulness of men, those of us who turned to Christ, who died for all of us and all of our sins, we, have the, we share the same universal hope. And that's a great truth. Uh, the hope of uh, the resurrection and perfection of our bodies, the hope of a, a, a future time in eternity when our sin nature will be gone. It will be absent from us. Uh, and all we'll have is is the new nature that we know in Christ no longer struggling with sin and temptation but just living a holy righteous life that pleases God and is good for us and uh, brings glory to our savior throughout all of eternity that's a great hope that's a wonderful hope don't 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 let yourself be uh, pull down the drain of, of this world and, and and feel hopelessness. No, we have a great hope, uh, despite the fact that the Bible truth of this universal sinfulness, this universal depravity of men, that's true. But it's also true the Lord Jesus Christ came precisely because of that for all men. The universal depravity of men points to the universal need for Christ uh, and the cross the cross is a place where all the sins of all men of all time uh, is dealt with. Lord, help us to get that message out there. Uh, help us to get this message out there. Well, uh, David, uh, he asks a question, and he reports his own. So he's just recorded God's observation, which is great doctrinal truth. David asks his, a question, and, and he reports his own observation, verse 4. He says, "'Have all the workers of iniquity no know knowledge?' What's he saying? Well, how stupid is it to just foolishly deny God and to foolishly continue on in sin? It's just stupid. It's ignorant. It's 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 foolish. It's 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 just profoundly uh, ignorant. He says, "Have they have no knowledge?" No, they have knowledge. <laughs> you know, the general revelation of creation gives knowledge of God. They may not have the special revelation, uh, revelation of Scripture, but you know what the people in David's day did? They had the words of God, uh, everything that had been inscripturated up to that point. Uh, they had much knowledge. Uh, David said, you know, so many people are just walking around like there's they have no knowledge of God at all. That's true in our day too. So many people, perhaps the majority of people, walking around like they have no knowledge of God, no conviction that he exists, no conviction of sin. Um, they do that, uh, but don't, don't for a second think they have no knowledge of God or, or no conviction of sin. They're trying to ignore God uh, as a uh, strategy for placating or assuaging their, their guilt. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? He says this. He says, who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. Uh, I want to consider the second part of that verse for a second. I think we've already alluded to this tonight, but let's see it and, and let's just grab a hold of the second part of this verse. Uh, David describes the foolish God denier, <laughs> the one who tries to convince himself in his heart there's no God. That's, that's a strategy of the lost to try to solve their conscience, try to placate themselves, try to find some peace in their hearts apart from Christ. You can't, but men will try. They try by trying to deny the existence of God to themselves and to others, if others will listen. Uh, But they also eat up God's people as they eat bread. Now, what is that? They're not literally, they're not cannibals, are they, Zach? That's not the idea here. That's pretty gross, Brother Ray. Talk about wickedness. Uh, No, this this is a picture of mistreating God's people of somehow persecuting them. Uh, we're talking uh, earlier, Brother Ray, about how Jewish people have been so persecuted throughout history, and even today, right? There's still great persecution against Jewish people today. Um, that's, that's just part of our sin nature, right? It's just wired into uh, our sin nature. We're talking, uh, well, there's, there's much that could be said, but I want you just to see here the idea. Just see the idea uh, it is a whether they realize it or not, it's a strategy of lost people to put down, to attack, to put down, to be critical of God's people because they believe that that will help assuage their own conscience. And whether or not they realize that, that's something that people do. They put down the righteous. <laughs> they put down saved people. Uh, just think about this. Doesn't the world make fun of people who believe in Christ and believe in the cross and believe that Jesus is the only way? Uh, so many in the world today, uh, in this world that is supposed to be so uh, accepting of all ideas. So, you know, that's, that's the great cry in, in, in the world today, right? Just, just accept every idea out there as, uh, as universally truthful. But when it comes to Christianity... And Christ and the cross, you'll find roomfuls of people that are willing to mock Christianity, Christians, Christ, uh, and the cross. Why is that? Why is it that hardly anybody out there will mock uh, false faith? Uh, Hardly anyone will mock Islam. Uh, Hardly anyone will mock the 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 so-called pseudo false Christian cults, uh, really not Christian at all. The cults. And and you could think of of so many of them. uh, They'll not mock those those faiths, those false faiths. But uh, people are happy to mock Christians to put them. They know that there is a truthfulness to Christ. They know that deep down in their wicked hearts, uh, God has revealed Himself to them, and deep down uh, they know. But they've rejected Christ. And, and and so they desperately want to uh, solve their conscience by rejecting God and by persecuting God's people. They eat up my people uh, as they eat bread uh, and will not call upon the Lord. Listen, Uh, People can reject the idea that God is all day long. You know what? God still is. Uh, And their conscience is going to tell them that. Their eyes, the data that we receive through our eyes reveals that God is. And so their conscience is not going to ever be satisfied uh, by rejecting God. And so they move on to persecuting, uh, putting down God's people. And that doesn't work either. That doesn't work either. But it feels like it might Uh, work for a time. Look with me here at verse 5, and we're almost done here. Verse 5, it's a short psalm. Uh, David uh, draws a conclusion regarding these who try vainly to solve their conscience, uh, whether by attacking God's people or by attacking the very notion that God exists. Uh, he draws a conclusion about this. And we see here that ironically in their effort to find peace by attacking God and his people, they find nothing like that. They, in fact, find nothing but a growing fear, anxiety, uh, worry. They, 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 they never find satisfaction. They never find uh, comfort. They, they never find uh, what Solomon found in Ecclesiastes, Remember Solomon. Solomon, there we go. Solomon. He tried everything in the world to find contentment, peace, and satisfaction. Uh, No doubt, he was trying to cover his guilty conscience as well, and he never, never found it in the things of the world. And remember, he had access to as much of what the world could offer as he as he desired, and he had it all. He had everything the world could offer. He found it all to be what vain, vanity of vanities. There might have been some fulfillment for a moment, but nothing lasting, uh, nothing lasting at all. And he found ultimately concluded that it only could be found, uh, contentment, peace, satisfaction, could only be found uh, in the Lord, uh, in the Lord himself. And um, that's a great truth. You know that's true. Uh, David concludes here, and of course this is a, uh, a wise conclusion that God has revealed to him, uh, and, and cause him to it. He says in verse 5, there were they in great what? In, in great what? What's it say? What's the word there? There were they in great what? Fear. Fear. Uh, King James translators in their margin, wrote, in marginal notes said, hey, this could be translated, they fear to fear. <laughs> they fear to fear. They're just filled uh, with fear. Uh, what's the fear? What what's the fear? Well, the fear is that God exists and that uh, He's going to hold us accountable for our sin. Uh, that that's that's the real fear at the core of the heart of the lost person, the the person who's trying to uh, find peace and and solve their conscience by rejecting God and persecuting God's people and persecuting us for our doctrine. they uh, they what they all they actually find. All, what they're still left with is a nagging fear at the core of their existence that God is, that Christ is the way, the truth and the life, uh, and, and that they're going to be held accountable by the Lord to uh, His word uh, and for rejecting Christ. This, this, this is the, the truth. Uh, how I know that? Well, the Bible says that they were they in great fear, uh, all that's left. Uh, the foolishness of rejecting God and of uh, doing whatever you can apart from Christ to find peace, it, it leaves you with nothing but fear. They fear fear. They're just filled uh, with fear. There's no peace apart from Christ. Uh, please be reminded tonight there is great peace. There is possibility of great peace when you come to Christ And when you bring all of your fears to him with thanksgiving, remember, he promises us um, Philippians 4, chapter 4, uh, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Look at those verses. Um, Just make a note. I'm going to look at Philippians 4, uh, starting verse 5, and and read down through the the verse. If if you'll bring your fears to God with thanksgiving, thanking him, he promises us a fear that passes understanding, greater than we can understand. Uh, It's from Christ. And it keeps our hearts and minds in Christ. That's, that's the promise of God, and it's a true promise. God keeps his promises. But rejecting Christ, who's a source of peace, results in nothing but fear. You can reject him all day long. You persecute his people all day long and belittle the doctrine of, of Scripture all day long. You'll be wrong. It's still true. God still is. Uh, His words are still true, and you'll be left with nothing but fear. Doesn't make any sense. That just doesn't make sense. Um, Here's some more truth for God's people. So um, the the God deniers who deny to solve their conscience and persecute God's people to, again, try to help their conscience, they they end up with nothing but fear. Um, But God does protect his people. He gives peace and he protects his people. Next part of verse five, for God is in the generation of the righteous. That's interesting language also. This, this Psalm does have some interesting language. It might be uh, less familiar, less, less common in scripture, less familiar because less common, but you have this phrase here, the generation of the righteous. What's that mean? What does it mean? Well, it seems to simply be an example of, of language that God uses sometimes in scripture, uh, as a reference to his people. that That's it. Uh, sort of a way of, of classifying his people. So if you look back at verse one, it's talking about the foolish and, and clearly talking about those who are not his people because they deny he even exists. So uh, there's one class of people in verse one, the foolish God deniers. And then in verse five here, there's the generation of the righteous is just a way of referring to the righteous. Those have been made righteous in the father's eyes by the sacrifice of his son uh, on the cross. Uh, You see this language in a number of other places like uh, Psalm 24 and verse six, this is the generation of them that seek him, they seek thy face, O oh, Jacob, say law. Stop there and pause. Consider that. Uh, so the generation of the righteous, the generation of them that seek him, is just a, a, one of the ways that God uh, uses to classify his people, save people, as a group of people that, that know him. And uh, we're distinguished from those that don't know him, uh-huh. the, the foolish that, that refuse him. Um, Let's quickly look at the last two verses um, and we're done. The Lord here reiterates that He's God who protects His people despite the shaming uh, or mocking of the foolish lost people. Verse 6, ye have shamed the counsel uh, of the poor, the poor in spirit, because the Lord is His refuge. Uh, People will put us down uh, to try to solve their conscience, as we've said. Uh, But... Uh, the poor here, poor in spirit, the humble believer, right? It's not people who are financially poor here in verse six. Uh, it's the poor in spirit, the the ones whom Christ addressed uh, in the Beatitudes, uh, some uh, Matthew five. Uh, the poor in spirit, the humble believer. Uh, the Lord is his refuge. You know, tonight if you're suffering some fear, some anxiety, some worry, remember, please, God is our refuge. He's our safe place, just as a, a ship would pull into a safe harbor. Uh, to ride out a storm. Uh, God is our refuge. We draw near to him as our safe harbor uh, during the storms of life, and, and certainly life is filled with many storms today. Uh, people can put us down. They can mock us, by the way, as they mocked Christ. They mock Christ uh, in the most horrific way, yet he's still Christ. He still went to the cross and died according to God's plan so that we could be saved, People can mock us all day long, every day if they want to, but we're still saved. (laughs) We're still saved. We're still God's people. Nothing's going to change that. Uh, We've we've kind of sinned and placed our faith in Christ. God is our refuge. Uh, He's our strength. Um, He's our hope. He's our hope. And so, the last L, uh, the psalmist longed. He longed for the Lord to come. Uh, His hope, his hope, uh, is is Christ, and so he he longs for the day when uh, Christ would be back on the scene. Um, I understand. I believe David understood there there'd be a first coming and a second coming. At least I believe that's the case. I think here he's he's longing for the the second coming of Christ uh, and the millennial reign where. Um, these God deniers and, and mockers of God's people just wouldn't be there. They, they just won't be there. Um, he longed for that time when the Lord would reign and rule. Uh, and we should too. You know, we're, we're, we're taught in Scripture to desire the return of Christ, to, to pray for it, to long for that. Um, that's our hope. That's not going to end our joy. That's going to be the realization of our hope. A true joy, David says it this way in verse seven: "Oh, that the salvation or Savior of Israel uh, were come out of Zion, Jerusalem! When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of His people, Jacob shall rejoice; God's people will rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. And Gentile believers like us will rejoice and be glad together with um, together with the Jewish people." Uh, who recognize Christ as their Messiah and come to him for salvation. The only way, the only truth, the only life, the only way to have a right relationship with God the Father. So, uh, yes, like David, we join him in lamenting the foolishness of rejecting God uh, and the foolishness of belittling, or putting down God's people. Uh, we understand that, that God has revealed to us in his word that, you know, a good percentage of the world is, is going to continue in their foolishness. Uh, that's just part of the reality that we know today. By the way, God's allowing that for reasons, right? God has, uh, throughout time, used lost people uh, in the lives of saved people to um, meet needs and, and various other purposes, um, The trials that we experience at the hands of lost people are among the trials. They're included in the trials that God is using to grow, uh, save people. Think about that. Uh, To grow our reliance upon the Lord, to cause us to draw closer to him and to rely upon him. That's a fact. Uh, Certainly, certainly that's a fact. Uh, In the end, um, God will uh, deal with those that have foolishly rejected Christ and we will know, we'll know a world without that foolishness. That's part of our hope. Now, tonight, I'm I'm also convicted, and I'll share in closing that, um, as much as we lament the foolishness of rejecting Christ and belittling His people, uh, we are called to mercifully go and reach these. Those who are caught up in that foolishness. This goes right back to where we began the day this morning, well, at least at 11 o'clock, uh, looking at the Lord's desire that we would act mercifully. And I understand we're we're called to act mercifully toward each other, but hasn't the Lord acted mercifully toward us before we were saved? Yes, He has. And I believe that uh, one of the applications from Uh, The teaching this morning about mercy that we did not talk about this morning uh, would be mercifully going uh, to the same people that would mock us behind our backs for our faith in Christ and mercifully share, graciously and mercifully share the truth, the gospel, using God's words because that's the power uh, to convict. The Holy Spirit works through God's words. Uh, mercifully going and sharing the truth with these same deniers and mockers. Uh, Some can still be saved, Brother Ray. Some can still be saved, and I praise God for that. Lord, help us to not become so uh, angered at uh, these foolish mockers that we would not be willing to share the gospel with them. Help us to be gracious and merciful. Lord, as you've been gracious and merciful toward us. And yes, Lord, help us to look ahead, to long for uh, that day when uh, Christ will be back uh, with us and where he will reign uh, those wonderful thousand years here upon the earth. And of course, beyond that, we have a new heaven and a new earth to look forward to. And boy, just, just so much to look forward to. Isn't it good to have much to look forward to? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's stop there and pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the truth of your words. Lord, thank you tonight for um, so much doctrine, Lord, that's revealed in so few verses. Uh, Lord, I thank you tonight for the truth that we've seen. and uh, Lord, I thank you tonight again for your grace and for your mercy. Uh, Lord, I thank you tonight for the insight that you give us about uh, why it is that uh, we we suffer persecution. Lord, I know you use it. Uh, I pray tonight, Lord, that that we would pray for these same uh, foolish deniers and foolish mockers. Lord, give us a heart to pray for lost people to be saved. Lord, give us a heart to. Uh, Pray for opportunities for you to give us an opening to share the truth. Lord, give us hearts to do that mercifully in a way that's easy to be entreated. Lord, wisely, lovingly, gently, to just present the truth of your word, of your reality, of the gospel. Thank you for giving us the words already. Father, help us to be merciful to reach these same people. Lord, I love you tonight. I thank you for the hope that we have. I pray that you help us to get the message of Christ, the gospel, and that hope out to a world that really is um, hopeless and despairing uh, and looking, looking for uh, hope. Lord, thank you that we know the source of that hope. We have that hope. We have the words that you've given us to share Help us to do that wisely. Uh, Lord, give us opportunities and help us to be courageous. Lord, thank you tonight for grace from you to accomplish just that. Father, I love you tonight. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Zachary.
1: All right, let's turn to our last song. It's going to be 418. Meet me there. We'll sing the first and the last verse. On the happy golden shore, where the faithful part no more, when the storms of life are roar, meet me there. Where the night dissolves away into pure and perfect day, I am going home to stay. Meet me there, meet me there, meet me there. Where the tree of life is blooming, meet me there. When the storms of life roar on the happy golden shore, where the faithful part no more, meet me there. Where the harps of angels ring, and the blessed forever sing, in the palace of the King, meet me there. Where in sweet communion blend, heart with heart and friend with friend, in a world that's never end, meet me there. Meet me there, meet me there, where the tree of life is blooming, meet me there. When the storms of life are o'er, round the happy golden shore, where the faithful part no more, meet me there. Right, let's pray. Uh, again, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to look into your word. May we take it to heart now. Keep us safe through the snowstorm. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.